Hello and welcome to the Sprint Podcast. The Sprint Podcast is a meeting place for all things agile and product related. In each episode, we'll talk to some of the most knowledgeable people from the space and pick their brains on what is happening out there in the world of product and agile. So briefly as an introduction then, Peter, Peter Lee, um, is... I suppose, an agile coach, really, with with more than 10 years of experience. And in fact, quite a lot of experience in the space, I noticed, Um, certainly in that kind of scrum, agile, even building and leading a practice as well. Um, 10, 15 years, something like that. Is that fair? Around that. A lot of time. Been around for a while. Yeah, well, um, I'd say I got one of the first agile coaches when the role was actually even starting to eventuate. So at the time... You know, there weren't really, there wasn't really a role called Agile Coach in the market. Yeah. Uh, there was a bit of a discussion around the need for them. And yeah, I, I kind of was lucky enough to be at CBA at the time and uh, start one of their first Agile practices, official Agile practices. They'd right. done it Skunk Works a few times, but when I actually was doing it, it was endorsed through the solution delivery lifecycle kind of space. So all the how do we standardize processes, et cetera, space. And they'd already right. tried a bit of a waterfall thing and started to realize it wasn't working too well. Um, so there was a bit of a, a, a kind of thought to introduce Agile. And I ran one of the, the pilot kind of Agile practices for a little while. That's um, they, they gave me the opportunity actually to just kind of fall into the coaching role yeah. rather than anything else because I was the first, um, well, one of the first kind of delivery leads that was running an agile team and then as other teams came on they needed a bit of assistance and I kind of realized how great it would have been if I had assistance at the time to kind of ask (laughs) questions and things like that yeah Um, yeah. so yeah that's kind of how I ended up in that coaching role and then just led moved into leading agile coaches because I was already a a people leader before in CBA prior to agile Um, so had some of that management background experience and training that, um, that we got from CBA. And then from there, kind of just diverged into different industries, um, enterprises and small tech. So I've worked in construction, which was highly, highly under-digitized, which is uh, quite, a, quite a different, unique experience, but um, really great to kind of see how Agile can and would it, how would it work in a non-digital space where yeah. you know, banking is, Largely pretty advanced. It's pretty digitized. Pretty it, every bank is a really a fintech, to to be honest. Um, so I think yeah, getting to go to construction, which in Australia is like the second least digitized industry um, ahead of farming, uh, is uh, <laughs> is pretty interesting. Yeah, there's some changes coming there as well, isn't it? There's a there's a massive um, kind of growth area in agritech, I suppose, which may well change that whole landscape as well, for want of a better phrase. I, I think the real interesting thing for them is they realize that because they've been under-digitized for so long, there is a massive change coming mm. to how they work and um, how they deliver their products. So the entire digitization of their, their kind of, you know, how do they build buildings? How do they plan buildings? How do they, um, you know, how does smart buildings operate? How does a building tell you, when it should be running at 80% power or, you know, using its air conditioning or um, all that kind of stuff will all be driven by digital technologies. 
And so they're in this really unique position where the wave's coming, they can see it coming, and they need to embrace it. Uh, I think some of the other areas like startups or, or you know, fintech, et cetera, because they've already gotten it more ahead, they don't necessarily feel it, although it is coming. And yeah, I, true. Yeah, when you look at like GPT and BARD and those tools, I think all of a sudden those companies are now going, oh, actually, this is going to touch us as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so just to take you back then, and we always start um, with, I suppose, the background of, of our guest and um, not just from when you started within Agile, but actually what came before that and how, and I'll ask you directly, how you got to the point from where you were to being the person that then, you know, went forward and led CBA in their first kind of Agile practice or first official Agile practice. You must have been positioned as the best person for that job. So what was your journey up until that point? I, I started my experience, my background as a software engineer. So I, I actually studied both software engineering and finance. So I've got a bit of a blend of a business kind of background as well as a software background. And mm. there's not that many people that actually pick that commerce engineering kind of background. But I, I really loved it because it's meant that I've got a, a blended experience walking in. And I actually think that's one of the things that sets you up to be a good agile person is actually having diverse broad T-based skills yeah. and things like that. So um, I learned I was more of a people person than I was a software engineer though early on. <laughs> I had friends that were software engineers, really loved the tech. I loved the tech, but I also spent a lot of time, you know, just hanging out with friends and yeah, socializing, yeah. et cetera. So I learned that my role was a little bit more leadership oriented. Um, and I had my first opportunity as a delivery lead, the solution delivery lead. So effectively an IT project manager um, when I was 27, 28, I think. So leading a team at that age when you know the least about anything <laughs> than anyone on the team generally um, was really interesting. And, and actually my natural leadership style was a servant leadership style where it was all about helping the team understand where we were heading, how mm -hmm. I was there to help them. And actually I was there to kind of help them figure out how we execute on a plan or then create the plan. So I actually was exposed to Agile um, at a Agile 101 course at one of the um, user groups in Sydney at, at the time. Um, and at that point in time, it was, a, it was a project manager actually running the Agile 101. And I had all these kind of preconceptions around Agile that I asked him about. It was like, was Agile just mini waterfalls? And he said, well, no, actually it's not. And you know, I asked, well, if there's no controls, like how do you govern things? And he actually, he said, well, um, Agile really means stronger governance controls and better governance around outcomes and objectives and more flexibility around the doing. And so all of a sudden, this Agile thing, I saw as, oh, actually, this is how I do my job more systematically. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of where it led for me. And then at that point, I was really um, kind of asking in CBA, is there an opportunity to actually do this properly? Because previously it was, it had gotten a bit of a dirty word and you weren't really allowed to talk about Agile in CBA. So it took a bit of, um, uh, you know, asking and kind of, figuring out and probing whether it was okay. And so I 
was lucky enough to run the wealth management side um, right. of the pilot. And then there was a retail banking side that was run by one of my ex-colleagues. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess that mix of having to lead a team young, the software engineering background with a bit of a business background, and then seeing how agile kind of helped me lead in those environments where I didn't know as much as everyone else that got me to actually doing it. And then from doing it, I just happened to be fairly good at doing it. And then yes. you know, the way in which I helped other teams then actually kind of led that forward. So yeah, partly luck, partly, you know, um, the confluence of my background and things, but uh, it sounds yeah. like it was quite a natural thing for you to do, I suppose, based on your skills and expertise and your curiosity, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I always say modern, great modern leadership skills, they are not different agile or waterfall. They're actually the same thing. So 21st century leadership skills around intent-based leadership, it's the same either side. And so the the training you do is as a great leader in, in CBA, they had a really great training course. So that had already set you up to go, you know, your job as a leader is to enable others to be great. Um, yes. And then Agile happened to be, oh, well, actually it is about how do you apply those kind of modern leadership skills in a very diverse kind of volatile, uncertain environment. And so that, that leading kind of just helped. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so you've been now, in that space for a while what are some of the the kind of major or significant changes that you've seen in terms of how that space has evolved that's a big question yeah um i i think there's a huge fragmentation in the in the space um and sometimes a little bit of disillusionment from the old guard to be honest in the role because of that fragmentation i think um what do you mean when you say a fragmentation of the space uh, so at the time, you know, agile coaches were quite specific. There were people that had uh, quite broad experience in a, a software tech team building that. Now you get agile coaches from human resources and marketing and things like that. It's not that they yeah. don't have that experience, but um, sometimes they're getting asked to play in areas that, you know, they may not have the skills to do. So I think there's, yes, it's, it's actually harder to find really great agile coaches within the mix i think just because there are so many agile coaches you're preaching uh, to the choir on that it i it is very much more difficult <laughs> to find those people yeah and and it is it's hard to to identify but I, I you know i would normally say the thing that i find should differentiate an agile coach from a scrum master delivery lead or any other role is they need to be very systematic about how they can understand the problem. So the big difference is that a scrum master can be very intuitive. They can walk into the team and go, I think the team should be doing this because of my mm. experience. I think an agile coach needs to come in and say, based on my experience and understanding these dynamics, we could do this or we could do this. And each of those things have trade-offs. And yes. it's actually the trade-off decisions that we have to kind of support people to, to make. There is no right or wrong, like, do we specialize or do we generalize? Actually, both have their need. Um, I think if you've got an intuitive person, they'll just pick one, the one that they think is the best, because that's how they've learned their agile practice, as uh -huh. opposed to 
walking in and saying actually both of these have trade-offs and and so forth and do you think it's um do you think it's a positive thing for the space to have more diversity around the backgrounds of coaches now perhaps than there was when things first started out i think i think there is in there there's pros and cons to it so mm. if those people joined experienced coaching teams and were able to round out their skill set um then it would be beneficial because they'll actually become better people and those coaching teams will actually have a more diverse set of input coming in and they'd be able yes. to understand um you know as i've been working in construction it's a very different dynamic so if you have someone walking in without the experience to kind of absorb what the problem domain is and then be very measured around their advice um, you could have someone just walking in there going, well, you know what worked for me in my last company? That's going to work exactly here. And it just right. and it's just not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they need to they need to build those kind of skills themselves. So I think there's a real there's a real challenge of whether the coaching community at the moment is able to kind of make those very well measured recommendations and and coaching or do we get bad recommendations just from slightly less inexperienced people and because of the difficulty to understand that there is this fragmentation that's occurred that i'm getting good or bad advice so you know you can quite easily be oh well agile coaching advice is bad as opposed to you know similar to any other role there are both good and there are bad coaches that sure. just experience so i think that's kind of happened with agile coaching now at the moment yeah, that's a good that's a good observation. And so, do you think that typically organisations have got a kind of fond view of what an agile coach does and the value that they bring, or do you still think there's a bit of a kind of not a sales game, but like have you got to pitch the value that you can bring to an organisation? Do you think, or do you think uh, that's implied and understood? Yeah, I, no, I I think it it's definitely mixed feedback on agile coaches. Uh, you know, one of the things that happens a lot in the coaching space is coaches advocate their responsibility to have a perspective. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty firm in this space that as a leader, if you're brought in as an agile coach, you're actually brought in because you've got a unique experience in agile. You're actually mm -hmm. meant to be the agile expert. Um, and that means that you must have an opinion on things. Although you must also be willing to listen and then adjust your opinion based on actually what the real environment is. Mm -hmm. um, but I think because of the way coaching is, which is coaching is actually not meant to be you directing. So agile coaching is not a pure coaching role in my mind. Um, some coaches abdicate their responsibility to have an opinion. And in that case, it kind of draws very negative feedback from some stakeholders because yeah, okay. they're wanting the advice. So you're, uh, you're sort of saying coaching at its purest form is not presenting ideas. It's kind of helping the teams maybe to understand through themselves and through questioning what might be the direction that they should take. And what you're saying is actually there should be a mentorship perspective as well, whereby you can say, well, I've been and I've seen and done this and I'm bringing this knowledge to the table and I'm presenting that to you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's also that balance in that even though you've seen that thing before, you need to be able to be willing not to 
do that be? Um, okay, so I, you can't just lift and shift that experience from one organization to another, in effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just talking to someone actually recently where their company was a PHP based um, uh, company and mm. the agile coach had told them, well, in order to be a growing enterprise, you need to move to .NET. And that right. is by no way any means I would ever say the role <laughs> of an agile coach, although they could potentially go, Here are us, here's what I've seen, here's where I've seen people use .NET instead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, overstepping is also a problem. So there's a really fine balance of, you know, sharing your experience so that people can make better decisions and overstepping and telling them what to do, which actually doesn't help them. So I think you have to find that right, right medium. Um, that to, makes sense. Yeah. Um, and have you, have you noticed your role changing, you know, from the, the early days of being an agile coach through to now? I mean, obviously you become more experienced um but have, has the actual role itself and the, the remit and the circle of influence changed in that time uh yeah so for me i typically work with um executive stakeholders so my work is a lot more around organizational uh design um and the operating mechanics governance etc and then also that strategy into execution um one of the things i i'm i usually say is that the agile delivery problems actually been largely solved already. There's so many books on how to do it and you can go mm. and learn about Scrum and, you know, engineers can read about user stories and story point estimation. And it, it's just a matter of time that they, they need to spend in doing it. Um, the harder bit is actually the, the product space, the more organizational, the entire business becoming agile because that that ultimately becomes the glass ceiling so yes. if you fix the delivery engine it can't go faster than the rest of the business ever is so there are some times where people want the delivery engine to go faster but there is actually no need and that actually drives really negative conversations a, a really good example is um, you know do we need to do continuous delivery 30 deploys a day kind of thing um, a lot of businesses don't need it <laughs> there, there is benefit to going there but it, it may outweigh the the organization's desire to invest in in achieving that level of agility so yes um yeah i think that do you do you find yourself sometimes pulling pulling people back saying listen we that's cool but we don't need to go there we don't need to be doing things in that way is that part of your role as well uh Couching it a little bit, yes. Uh, I would say normally what I would do is more focus them on the continuous improvement kind of incremental mindset right. and, and helping them understand when they feel like they've gotten as far as they need to in a certain area. Um, that said, you know, with the continuous improvement mindset, there should always be more and more opportunity to improve. But um, yeah, I'd say the job is to help them not take too much of a bite of the apple that they can't chew it. So they have yeah, to right. get the right amount of change with the team's capacity. Um, yeah, and, 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 you know, the success of an adult coach is really is that group or organization changing as fast as they are able to. 
It's not about how fast I want them to uh, or where I think they should be. It's are they changing at the fastest pace that yes. they change at? That makes sense. Um, okay, I guess that kind of leads on to, I suppose, the reason why I asked you to, to jump on the podcast actually is you and I, we were both at Scrum Australia and you facilitated a kind of short group discussion on the second day, which was all around um, the future of, of Agile coaching and, and what that role could potentially look like. And um, it, was, it was a quick fire thing, but I think you generated a lot of interest in that subject. Um, and we there was a good number of people there, myself included. And I suppose I was really there as a spectator to listen. And um, there was lots of different perspectives, lots of different ideas as to you know, what the future of an agile coach could potentially look like. Um, I think it's quite an interesting topic to talk about. And um, certainly it's a question that I get asked a lot as a recruiter as to, you know, what what skills should should, should someone be sharpening or honing? Um, what's the landscape looking like? What's the appetite across the industry looking like? All these sorts of things. Um, but it's always good to talk to somebody who's actually tapped into the space and is doing it, right? So lots of different perspectives offered on that day. I'm not actually entirely sure if you offered your own, in fact, because you were busy facilitating. Maybe that wasn't the time, but surely you have some thoughts. Yeah, um, I don't think I did actually mention my perspective on it, but yeah. I, I, other than a general, you know, if agile coaching is successful in what it does, in theory, it doesn't exist because the role is right. to actually help that change and people be agile um that said I, I i think the the role will morph a little bit i i think you know there are definitely some of the more common problems that i'm seeing occur are actually through generational changes so you know a lot of the the younger people in startups may have never have worked in enterprises doing project management and delivery and and there's a real value in some of those kind of skills that have lost focus to yes. some degree so it's not uncommon to walk into an organization that doesn't forecast when they think they'll deliver something or uh, you know estimate the cost it's going to take to complete a piece of work and it's 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 really scary actually to be honest yeah <laughs> but it's um it's it's surprisingly common and i think it's just this this perspective that agile is just a you know do whatever kind of thing and there is no rigor around it so i i think in in those scenarios you know where i was mentioning you need to have a perspective actually the the agile coach needs to be the person that helps to instigate better delivery practices or, or project management skills yeah. so even though they're historically was a shift away from it and in in you know in, in a cba my job was to reduce the amount of processes we had in startups it's much much more around add just enough processes mm. that actually supports the team um, in some of the other kind of organizations it's around how does how does digital strategy bridge into execution and i think one of the things that agile coaches get a lot of experience with is how do you translate um, that kind of directional intent into something that teams can execute on and 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 deliver on? Uh, so I think there there probably will be this role necessary to teach people how to do that, 
but I don't think it's going to necessarily be agile coaching. I think it'll it'll morph into something um, that actually supports that. How do we do that better and and more effectively? Uh, for yes. myself, actually, I'm finding the engagements are usually probably a little bit shorter, and and a lot of people they want recommendations on you know what is the what's the what's the kind of best practice type of stuff that's right. uh, going around at the moment. I wouldn't say necessarily best practice, but what's good practice? What are the de facto standards? Because a lot of teams just don't have that experience either. So yes. the agile coaches, because they're able to move around companies and things actually start to pick up diverse experiences and practices. And they get to see this kind of thing where they're like, oh, actually, you know what? I'm seeing this is working pretty well in this space and and i think there'll be potentially like a sharing role that agile coaches yeah, have. Okay. job is to move between organizations and you know spread and proliferate good practices in a way that actually improves whereas at the moment a lot of coaches are consolidated into a single company for quite a lot of time and so you you sort of mentioned there like you think maybe the engagement engagements are getting shorter. And is that because in the early days you were taking organizations from zero to say five or six on the scale of agility, and now you're taking organizations from maybe seven to an eight or nine or six to a seven or eight. Is it, is it more like that? Is, is that why the engagements are shorter or is it just a, a different sort of way of doing things? Maybe this is more related to my types of engagements, but... Um... Or, yeah, are you becoming more effective as a coach and it takes you less time to get the same results? <laughs> I, I wish that, but um, no, I, I, think it, I think it could be more that when you're a, a long-term agile coach in an organization with a bunch of other agile coaches, it's not uncommon for those coaches to become the crutch for the organization. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of put it this way that because there is a group that's responsible for agile, other leaders don't need to buy in and they, and it's the agile group's role to actually make agile happen. So there's a little bit of lack of engagement and buy-in from other executive leaders. Right. Um, when you're the one agile coach or even a part-time agile coach, which I've been um, more often in the last few years, actually that part-time role means because of your lack of availability, the other executive leaders need to step in and actually take take a little bit more um, ownership and accountability okay. and drive. Uh, you know, I I actually think that's why a lot of the consulting businesses like the McKinsey's, etc., um, they do so well in this space because they are actually providing a bit of direction, um, and then you know for a short period of time, and then they step away if they if they have to kind of thing. So yes. Um, and, and they're very much better at kind of positioning and talking about the benefit at a executive management level and, and how that actually translates into the, the organizational benefits, I guess. Um, maybe that's probably one of the other shifts I think will have to occur in that agile space is, um, you know, a lot of the agile coaches have a lot of the great experience between bridging that strategy into execution, but they may not have really done the positioning to be able to position our roles in a way that we actually are able to support as a as more management consultants um yes as opposed to you know doers of the agile transformation yeah okay interesting um 
one question that I always ask everybody who comes on the podcast, and I suppose I do this because I think a lot of the people who will listen to this will be maybe folks who are interested in the space and haven't quite cracked into it and, and perhaps want to. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to make a transition into a role of, you know, an agile coach or, or perhaps even a scrum master? I, I definitely think the role starts out as being a delivery lead or a scrum master or some form. But if you can, picking a role where you actually get to work or get to rotate between many teams, um, if your intention is to become an agile coach. Uh, the reason being, you know, one of the very first learnings as a scrum master delivery person is that what worked for one team doesn't work for all teams. And so being able to get that first experience where actually everything that I just tried <laughs> with my previous team and copied over to my new team doesn't work or, you know, didn't work as well as it should uh, is a really, really important experience. And I think it builds the self-awareness to then become a more systematic thinker around how does Agile work. So that Scrum Master across many different teams or rotating starts to give you the experience to actually think about, well, why did this work? Why didn't it work? What type of dynamics occurred? Um, yes. And of course, I think, you know, the training courses and things like out there, they are good. Um, I personally actually um, went down the, the scrum.org PSM one, two, and three course. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a conceptual thinker. So I really like to understand the why and what, and that exam pathway is actually a theoretical exam. So you have to pass the questions on theory and practicality. And if right. you're able to pass it, then that actually demonstrates a level of, you know, understanding of the core concepts as well as the practical um, elements on, on what actually translates in reality. So yeah, doing that. And, and, you know, even if you do those exams, just to find out whether you you pass or not. Uh, I famously failed my first attempt really badly. Love to hear that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it helped me understand where I was weak. So I think one of the, the most important things as a coach is self-reflection. So being able mm. to go, this is where I'm a bit weak. This is what I'm not great at. This is, you know, the areas where I can provide advice and where I can't is super, super important. So um, even now in my engagements, if someone asks me for advice, I will quite happily say, uh, look, that's not my area of expertise. Um, I might be able to put you in contact with someone. And I think being able to say no, and rather than trying to be the, you know, solve every single problem is really important. Yeah, that's good. That makes sense. And what about those? That, that makes perfect sense from a kind of linear career progression perspective. What about those folks who perhaps are coming out of a different industry or different role type that isn't, you know, project management, delivery lead, scrum master type stuff? Is is there a pathway? And and you touched on it before, you know, people coming out of HR and, and other such divisions. What would the pathway for those people look like if if one exists? I I think it still is really important to play that scrum master role, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Those organizations now, they may not have those titles. They may just be the team leader or or what have you. But, sure. um, you know, often they talk about scrum masters, agile coaches as being the oil on the on the wheels uh, of the, the train line, right? It's about mm -hmm. how do you facilitate an effective team? So the real goal of anyone who wants to become an agile coach is, I think, 
understanding how those dynamics work really well. So, um, you know, from an from an HR team, it would be how do we make this team of HR people the most effective possible? Um, yes. And I, I think, you know, some of those kind of real modern team dynamics, like there's 21st management leadership skills, I would start there, to be honest, like because those are transferable across any team. So intent-based leadership types of skills um, are really important. I know the um, the actual, the, the theoretical framework underneath it is um, transformational leadership. So if you did want to go at the research level, transformational leadership skills, but then when you look at how does it eventuate in practicality, there are, um, you know, David Marquet's intent-based leadership, um, uh, Stephen Bungay's direct opportunism, they're all ways of how do we lead highly empowered autonomous teams. So understanding those mechanics will set you up for an agile organization. That sounds really good. Um, mate, that has been quality. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure getting some some quality hang time with you. Um, and I'm, I'm confident that anyone who listens to the podcast is, um, is going to get a lot out of it as well. Some great advice in there.